Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What's up, Josh? Well, we're coming at uh, our listeners right now. It's Sunday, about yeah. a week after the hurricane. Yeah, we missed. And this is going to be a little special update. Yeah, you, you guys noticed, I'm sure, that we didn't have a pod Friday, but that's because we didn't have any power Yeah, to do a pod. No power, no internet, no nothing. Because I was at, in Kentucky. We could have done something over the phone, but we had no way of posting or editing. Yeah, my or phone anything. was barely working. Yeah. But we thought we'd do a little... Um, but we're back in studio. Special update on disaster preparedness. Mm-hmm. Spiritual preparedness. Yeah. What to do when calamity strikes. I like that. Which was basically what your sermon was on today. Yeah. But so this is more of a, like, you know, informal discussion on yeah. uh, spiritual... I don't have any take or leave. It's, we'll save that for uh, for next, yeah. um, next week. And if you weren't able to be... If you weren't in town or weren't able to be at church today, check out the Field Church podcast. The sermon should be up tomorrow because this is coming out. We're doing this real time, so tomorrow that'll be posted. Right. Um, so let's just talk about uh, when natural disaster strikes or, I mean, I think you could easily use this as an application for when, you know, a love death of a loved one, mm-hmm. you know, anything out of the ordinary um, whether a natural disaster or not, um, that just kind of really hits home. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, some of the, for Christians mm-hmm. um, who are desiring to follow the Lord, what do you think some of the biggest um, things that happen spiritually in their lives when something like this happens? Yeah. Well, probably the first thing to, to recognize as a Christian is what it reveals about your heart. James 1, we talked about it today, James 1, 2 through 5, talks about we should consider it joy when we meet trials of various kinds because the reason is that it produces steadfastness in our faith. And and then to even not only consider that joy, but also not try to push away what's going on, but to really seek the Lord in it because it has purpose. Um, because... It talks about having its full effect. I'll yeah, just read I think it. it's, it's so easy to just like something like this happens and we're like, okay, what can we do to take care of like mm-hmm. our met needs? I need power. I need fuel. Right. I need AC. Right. So what are we neglecting when we do that? When we see James 1, I'll read it here. It says, count it all joy, my brothers. Starting in verse 2, I should say. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so the trial, well, first we have to understand that God is sovereign. So anything that happens, God is in charge of and in control of. He may not have be directly behind it or, or have caused it, 
because the same James says in the same passage. Um, I think it's in verse yeah thirteen. Let no one who let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. So. God does not stand directly behind evil, but he does, he is sovereign over it. It can only happen if he allows it. We see that all throughout scripture. You've mentioned earlier the story of Job in the beginning of, the, of that book. Satan comes and, and wants to tempt Job and, and the only way he's able to is that the Lord allowed him to. Yeah. One word does uh, Satan use? He uses natural disasters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has the band of raiders, but also he has a bunch of natural disasters that. And he used illness. Yeah. Um, yeah, he used, you know, evil men, uh, catastrophe, natural disasters, illness and sickness right. to, to all try to get Job to basically go against God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Job doesn't. And we also see that Job was blameless and upright. Right. And he feared the Lord. Right. He loved God. And so it wasn't because of Job's sin. That was a whole discourse mm-hmm. through the whole book. Exactly. Between him and his friends. Like, what have I done? You know? Right. But the James is able to help us understand since scripture interprets scripture that trials of various kinds are for a purpose. And the purpose is to produce a steadfast, immovable faith in God. Mm-hmm. And we see that with the story of Job. Because when Job finally cries to God and questions God, God comes back to him as... Where were you when I made the earth, the heavens and the earth? Like, basically, I'm God. There's some things that you just need to accept. This life is not the end. I'm God, and the only hope you have is in me, Mm -hmm. you know? One God shows through, like, three or four chapters in the end where he's just like, where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? Have you seen whatever Mm -hmm. the the goats birthed have you seen the eagles like Mm -hmm. wings formed like he just goes on and on and on about nature right and how he's ultimately in charge and um sovereign over every every bit of it Mm -hmm. and so the the scriptures answer that like with trials and so when when the various trials come it it produces that steadfastness through revealing our lack of faith so I give us all that to answer your original question, like what can we learn from it? And the first thing that we learn is our lack of faith. It reveals what we truly have our hopes in. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that today in the sermon from Second Corinthians 1, 3, like that the comfort that God gives us is one of helping us walk through trials and not one that is to make us comfortable you know, or make us prosperous or all those things that we think about when we think of comfort, kind of self-serving comforts. Yeah, I mean, it really reveals our sin and what we place comfort in and also just the brokenness of the world. Mm -hmm. Like God didn't originally design, I believe, for hurricanes to come and, you know, wreck the whole Gulf Gulf Coast. Exactly. And, you know, the question that gets asked during things like this and it's tempting to ask is, you know, how can... God allow bad things to happen to good people or innocent people. Yeah. And the Bible answers that clearly over and over that there are no innocent or good people. Right. Um, we all have sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Romans well, once again, that's what Job teaches too. Like he was blameless mm-hmm. and it still happened to him too. Right. So, I mean, even if you were good, it could happen to you. Well, but at the same time, he was blameless, but we also know that he wasn't without sin either. Right. Like there's no one who's 
right well, the point is like it wasn't his sin that exactly the reason behind why god allowed it that's right. what all his friends thought now you must be wicked you must be hiding some wickedness in you job like, right right I don't, that's the only reason god would allow this yeah and the truth is we just live in a sinful fallen world and two things that we got to begin to reconcile what gives us comfort is first god's character he is good because he is good not because of circumstances right like we got to begin to trust in the character of god and the mercies of God, we need God's mercy. We see that, you know, Paul points to those two characteristics in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, 1, 3. Um, he, he could have picked a ton of different, uh, godly attributes, but the two that he focused on when he was explaining comfort was, was a God of all mercies and the God of comfort, mm-hmm. right? And that's just true. Like Paul was saying that from a place of suffering a lot and even being, his name being drugged through the mud, you know, in by false teachers there in Corinth, right? And, um, but he points to those because God is good. And so we have to begin to trust in God's goodness and his character despite circumstance and understand that God uses circumstance and for a purpose. And God cares way more about our holiness than he cares about our ease and our comfort. Yeah. Because God has stuff or possessions or wealth. Because God has an eternal perspective, not an earthly one. Like, this is not the end for us. This is more of a testing ground for us. Right. Right? And we know that, man, when our faith is tested, it allows us to see, man, maybe I'm putting too much worth in my possessions, too much worth in my comforts, too much worth in my successes, too much worth, whatever, fill in the blank. And when trial hits and those things are disrupted or taken away you're forced to decide do i really do i really want god for god mm-hmm. not for the things that i think he can give me you know as a christian yeah and that's challenging you know we see our lesser gods we see our idols when faced with trial they, they come to the surface yeah and you know now um the other side may be the person who let's say like for myself i was spared you know i mm-hmm. all my neighbors trees through their house like just demolished but my whole like we had a couple limbs down in my yard and obviously we lost power but and so i'm turning around like okay how can i help people mm-hmm. and so we're still called to like minister to these like felt needs right to enable people to be comfortable even mm-hmm. though what you what you said today in the sermon is like Comfort there is not talking about us being comfortable. Right. It's about being with us through. Right. He stands with us. He supports. He encourages. That has, um, uh, that air of courage. You know, we use Psalm 23 today. You know, look at that. Like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Like, it doesn't say you take me out of evil or you take me out of the valley or you you know it says you you walk with me you comfort me in it you know but i'm just saying as christians we are still called to minister to those absolutely well and that's what that one's all about like we comfort others with the comfort we've been comforted with in christ you know so there's a call of stewardship there and entrusting to us as ambassadors for christ as believers that as we experience the character of God and his comfort, then we have the ministry of comforting others. It really harkens back to the two greatest commandments, worship God above all else, you know, love the Lord your heart with all your 
heart, mind, strength, and strength. Soul, everything. Yeah, everything. And love others as yourself. I got those a little mixed up, but you get the point. I've heard a song about that could help you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but point is, that's true in everything. And so you see that even with comfort. As you are comforted and experience the character of God and you worship the Lord, who is the God of all comforts and all mercy, your immediate reaction is to is to serve others through how you've been comforted by sharing with them the comfort of God that you've experienced mm-hmm. and to be an ambassador for the gospel. So first priority, we got to get right with God. Mm-hmm. We got to take time to pray and really like seek out what is the Lord revealing mm-hmm. in this in this time? Uh what is he showing me? How is he teaching me? Don't let this go wasted. Don't let this right. tragedy be wasted on you. Um but use it to be sanctified. Right. And I guess the next step would be to now offer that comfort to Absolutely. others. Absolutely. And that should be a natural progression for the Christian, you know? Um, that's what we always do. We make disciples as we're, as we come into a relationship with Christ, then our call is to be equipped for the work of the ministry, to be ambassadors, to take the gospel throughout, to share about the hope that we have. I mean, that's just a natural, should be a natural outflow in Mm -hmm. all things, right? So this is no different. Um, and in terms of that question or that thought of like, how could God allow good things or bad things happen to good people. We've already established that there are no good people. We still have a lot of empathy and sympathy for those who are struggling, though. doesn't mean we don't care about people. It's that we care more about their soul than we care about anything else. Because we know that there's no good people, we want people to know the mercy of God that they need through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we serve people physically for the purpose of showing them what they need spiritually. That's mm-hmm. more important. This life will end for everyone. Right. And no one escapes death, yeah. right, other than Christ <laughs> and Elijah. <laughs> but um Allegedly. 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 <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Um it's terrible. <laughs> but that's just the reality. I mean, there are tragedies that happen in terms of you lose a loved one and and it feels like too soon. Like it comes out of nowhere. But it shouldn't come out of nowhere because everyone dies. You may not have, they may not have expected and you may not have expected that moment to be the moment. Right. But the Bible clearly shows us that the ways of sin is death. We all die. Mm-hmm. Um, we all expect some, for some reason that we're supposed to live to a ripe old age and pass away in our sleep and we got all the time in the world. Yeah. But no one made that promise. Yeah, I mean, and we know from all around us, crazy tragedies happen all the time. Absolutely. And so why would we be any different? That's right. You know? And we can trust in that in God's goodness and his sovereignty because we know that it must have had to be this way because of how God chose to redeem the world through his son, through death on a cross. There's no way God, Jesus being God himself, would go through that if there were other ways to do it, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't know his sovereign will in that, in that way. Like we don't understand fully why it has to be that way, but we can conclude that this is the way and that we should be obedient to the Lord by sharing the gospel out of love for other people. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we could look at some of the emotions people experience during this time and kind of mm-hmm. psychoanalyze them and just give some help. Like, yeah. So you be the psychoanalyzer. I'll, I will? Yeah, you do it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the one would be 
maybe fear? What would, you, what would you say would be the right, most I'll common? You, I'll give you the emotions. I'll see how you do with them. Oh, gosh. And don't worry. I'll, I'll help you out. Fear. Don't trust God. <laughs> Depression. Don't trust God. <laughs> um, dep- I guess despair and depression would be the same. Um, anger. You know, like the whole why question. Like uh, yeah. people get angry. and They think they're important. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, what about like a lack of compassion or like being out of touch with like mm. the gravity of the situation? That's probably like a less common one. Yeah. Are you speaking about yourself? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, you, I don't know. You tell me. How, how does one have that emotion? I don't know, man. I think something's wrong with me. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like, I think because it, I mean, yeah, we had 12 deaths in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and then we had about 50 up northeast. It just, yeah. Like, they got it worse than us because they yeah. weren't prepared for it. They weren't prepared, and then, like you said, tornadoes and different things that, I mean. Well, a lot of people, they got so much rain that it flooded their basements. Like, they're. They live in basements. They mm-hmm. don't expect floods, obviously. Right, right. It really shows how prepared we are for hurricanes. Yeah. As much as it wrecked the Gulf Coast, those people evacuated and they were safe. Right. And a lot of the deaths I've heard about were just random. I mean, one guy, 60-year-old man, a tree fell and just hit him. Yeah. He was in his living room. Mm. I mean, it was like lightning striking. Another guy got eaten by an alligator. Cause he I was heard in, that one. He was in the water and it got his arm. And uh, this is, I, I heard this third hand. I didn't verify it, but it's a cool story. <laughs> we don't so, want to know if it's true. Wife saved him from the alligator, got him on the front porch, ran to go get the P-Row. You know what a P-Row is? Yeah, yeah, flat bottom boat. Yeah. No, it's like a little I mean, it's a little. Canoe. Yeah, a little bit. Little it's got bitty. a flat bottom. And uh, by the time she got it, like his body was gone. No. That's. I'd have to, you folks, have to go, go verify, verify if not. I mean, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, for sure. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then I'm, I think there was a couple linemen who got um, you probably electrocuted or something. Maybe a tree fell on them because they I were mean, working. That, that's definitely, a, obviously, a danger. A lot sure. of carbon monoxide deaths. Anyways. Yeah. Relatively, like, it was just, for the amount of destruction it caused, mm-hmm. relatively safe storm. Yeah. I mean, for it to rip all the way through the northeast and we're at a death toll of 62, although... One's too many, but that's still a lot smaller than you would expect with the amount of destruction and devastation yeah. you see. I mean, if you go to just through my neighborhood, there's multiple houses that look like they've been demolished. It's crazy. So, I mean, of course, everybody evacuated, so no one was in those houses, right. I assume. But if people were in those homes, they would definitely have gotten destroyed. So anyways, let's go back. So looking at fear, I think people are kind of, um, they take for granted a lot of the comforts and a lot of the security mm-hmm. or perceived security they have in this world. And then something like this happens and they realize, oh, mm-hmm. I'm actually not in control. And so now all of a sudden they feel out of control. Right. Whereas really they were never in control. Yeah. It's just this sense of normalcy kind of mm-hmm. gave them a false sense of security. Yeah. And so it highlighted right. like, oh. And so now all of a sudden they're fearful and they don't know yeah. how to manage it. Yeah. And that's more, you know, probably commonly defined as anxiety, although um, anxiety's root is fear. Being being anxious, like you said, is 
the reality of not being in control, but the desire is to be in control, like you said. Right. Um, so obviously what that exposes then is an idolatry of control and a need to repent and learn to trust in the sovereign hand and the control of God. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take, you know, continual repentance and renewal of the mind in the scriptures, obviously, and, yeah. and acting upon that. Um, I have plenty of empathy for that because that's not something that's easy to, like, it's not just a, uh, for most people anyway, you're not going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden, I don't need any control at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not how that works. But, and, but God gets a lot of glory, uh, through a continual repentance and growth, you know, and sanctification. Right. Right. But that's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 tell us. Romans 8, 28. I'll just turn there. All things work for good. Yeah. You know where I'm going with it, but. Um, I don't want to miss say any of the the words for it. You've been known to miss say a word or two. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you grow up in the country. <laughs> um, Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. But twenty nine, I think, is the more important one, which is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's the reason. So we know that he works all things together for the good of those who, who know him and who love him. But the point is to, to help us be sanctified and transformed to the image of Christ. And so it's important that we understand that as we are being sanctified from the things that we put our hope in, our idols, in that repentance process, that process is us being made more and more holy, more and more into the image of the, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we consider trials joy. Trials aren't fun to go through. No one wishes for a hurricane. No one hopes for that. But the things that we learn through that and and the fact that we, as we put our eyes on the Lord and on Christ and in, in his word, we will become more and more like Jesus, and that's worth it. Mm-hmm. That's why we consider it joy, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, no one wishes for hardship, you know? It doesn't say, like, hope for hardship. It says consider it joy when they come. Right. You know, God will decide, you know? Yeah, like, it's okay to want prosperity, to want comfort, to want, um, you know, riches. It's okay to want those things. I mean, yeah. God created them. But to... um Go after them at the expense of to worship your, them, yeah, and at the expense of your soul and mm-hmm. your spiritual life and your worship of God. Then, right, you know, you're missing the point. Because the great promise that we have there, there, there's something good about our desire for that type of like comfort, which will come in when we're in heaven with with God, like when right. our sins taken away and we're in the presence of the Lord and we're worshiping purely, and you know, like that is part of the joy and the the riches of heaven right right if we but, had it all now then right what good would heaven be exactly but we understand that the the world we're in now does have sin and evil and and our mission to spread the message of the gospel is more important than our own personal comforts and the promise to those who follow christ are going to be trials and hardships mm-hmm. so don't follow Christ if you're expecting a prosperous, easy life. Right. That's not the promise. All right, what's the next emotion? Depression. Depression. 
Okay, why would someone be depressed? Well, if you lose a loved one. If oh, you, yeah. Like, I mean. Oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> you lose your home. I mean, I don't know. Just, just well, throwing it out there. That- <laughs> <laughs> the normal reasons why people be sad. I don't know. Well, I was thinking about the hurricane. Lack of, n- not thinking of death. Yeah, yeah. But maybe they so, lose you know, their home. If somebody loses a home that they have a lot of memories in and stuff, they can feel down and out for it. Yeah. You know? So maybe that would show like they're they're putting too much of an emphasis on mm-hmm. material things. Sure. Or even relationships. Yeah. See, there's a difference now, between um, – I'll, I'll circle back to fear because I think it will help with explaining this. It's okay to have moments of fear. There are some things to be afraid of. Like if you're – Standing if, over a cliff. Yeah. Like some of that is – that's reality. Like bad things can happen. But anxiety or not having courage in fear is a lack of trusting in God because courage comes not from lack of fear but in trusting yourself and to the Lord and trusting his sovereign hand even if you got to go through something hard, right? Yeah. Well, depression's the same way. It's okay to grieve and be sad, but to go into a place of despair and depression, lack of hope would be to discount the gospel and trust in the Lord. Right. Right. Because our hope is in Christ. So you're telling yourself only half the story. Exactly. You're not resting on the most important part, which right. is the hope we have in exactly. the gospel and the rest, future restoration of ourselves right. and of the world. Because I want to clarify, the Bible talks about grief, right? But, but I mean, we, Job grieved the whole book. Yeah. And he was not, like, God did not say you're wrong for grieving. Right. God showed that he was with him the whole time mm-hmm. in his grief right. without ever fixing anything sin brings sadness yeah. when, when people die in our lives like it should make you grieve and be sad because even christ wept for his friend because death is a result of sin like it grieves the heart of god and it, it's it's a grievous thing to experience but then to go into despair depression that's where it's lack of hope mm-hmm. which means something that you had put your hope in is gone right well if you put your hope in christ that's never gone Right. So there should be hope even in sadness. Mm-hmm. That's why Second Thessalonians 4, or First Thessalonians 4, I check that. Um, the passage where it talks about we don't grieve as other people do, because uh, we, we don't grieve without hope, because we have hope in Christ. Let me check it here. I always get those two mixed up. First, First Thessalonians four thirteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Mm. That for those who are in Christ, we just depart from this world. We go to they call it going to sleep because our souls are are living forever in heaven. Right. So we don't grieve as other people do without hope. Um. But for those who are without, yeah, we don't really die. We just change locations. Yeah, our physical body dies. But eventually we get that made new too. Mm-hmm. But our soul, our inner man, goes to be with the Lord. So so we don't grieve. We grieve the loss of someone because we're going to miss them and we loved them. And there's things that remind us of That's natural. That's normal. And the Bible has plenty of room for that. Um, but the no hope, despair, is something that is an indication of a lack of, tr- a lack of hope in the Lord, a lack of hope in Christ. Right. Which can... I guess maybe not easily, like you said, with fear, like these people mm-hmm. that struggle with these certain emotions. It's not like you just snap mm-hmm. your fingers and you're better because you right. read one text, but the scriptures are where you go to exactly. to gain hope and, and you, you meditate on mm-hmm. them. And you go there over and over again. Yeah. And the Lord works through those, mm-hmm. right? 
that's why you know the holy spirit is in john 14 is called the helper right the comforter same word that we talked about today same type of idea like comes and walks with us through the hardships you know the holy spirit takes the word of god and brings those to to pass in our in our minds and our hearts to help yeah. us through it all so so yeah a christian should not be in despair or depression really and if you find yourself in that place it's an indication of a lack of faith but you can be sad you can be grieving for sure mm mm-hmm. mhm and there's a difference. Just like a Christian should not be anxious. The Bible actually says, do not be anxious. Um, for, what do we do with that? Well, we trust the Lord and we rejoice always in the Lord. Philippians 4. And we put our, we pray and we take everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to the Lord. And he gives us peace, right? Um, and But then it tells us what to do after that. And finally, brothers, think about these things. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. Our minds should be set on Christ mm-hmm. and the hope that we have in Christ. But we're going to have times of fear and we're going to have times of sadness for sure. Yeah. You know? What's the next emotion? Anger. Anger, like when you don't have AC and it's really hot at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. If someone un- can understand, like, um, scientifically, why it gets hotter at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. That would help me a lot. That is a kind of a conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. A paradox, if you will. But it has made me really appreciate cold showers. <laughs> True. It's like, I, I was thinking, like, how many of our comforts that we have have we developed because of the other comforts we created? Mm-hmm. Like, we got AC, so now we need warm showers. Yeah. You know, in the summer, you really don't need warm showers and honestly it's been okay during the day because we're working during the day mm-hmm. we're not inside like sitting on the couch not supposed to be right yeah now if you're if you work in an office and okay you you need some ac <laughs> if you're trying to bust out some emails or yeah. write a sermon you probably need some ac but for the most part we've been in the yard you know helping our neighbors like chainsawing doing stuff like that and when you're doing that and you stop working you sit in the shade it feels great yeah but yeah. when you're inside all day and you walk out in the heat, you're like, this is miserable. I wonder if it's a mental thing. Just thinking about that. Sun's gone down. You expect it to be hot with the sun. And maybe the fact that... I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know because you sure, like, you sure I'll just be mental? sitting down and I'm like, I just taken my shower, you know, six, seven o'clock at night. I'm cool. I'm like cooled off. And all of a sudden, like, my body temperature starts rising and rising. <laughs> and I'm like... What is happening right now? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that brings anger. Yeah. Well, anger, once again, um, is not an emotion that is most of the time biblical. I don't want to say never because there is room in Ephesians 4 where it talks about be anger in your anger, do not sin in mm-hmm. your anger. There is room for righteous anger. We see Christ drive out the money changers because out of the temple for it was a house of prayer and they were defacing it by gambling and or uh charging extra for the sacrifices and yeah. all this kind of stuff um so i'm not saying all anger is always sinful but usually it is because yeah. there's a lot of warnings against the anger of man uh james chapter one talks about being slow to anger 
says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, and so in our sinful nature, it is more likely that we're not pure and we're not having righteous anger, which would be anger about the sin and, and um, going, something that's going against the, the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see abuses, we see sex slavery, we see th- you know, things that are egregious, it should make us upset. Yeah. You know, it should make us want to do something about it. It should make us want to make a difference, right? Um, but responding out of the emotion of anger usually is coming out of a place of pride and right. sinfulness. When you think of that, it's more like rage. Yeah. Like. Tempers. Yes. Is there something that is bothering emotions. you when you're sitting there hot in your house? Yes. Is that a reason to lash out in anger? No. Exactly. You know, because it's driven by selfishness Comfort. and I want what I want right now. You know? Yeah. James 4 talks about that too. Like, why do you fight? Why do you quarrel? Because you want what you want, you know? Yeah. Same kind of idea. So. One, yeah. it's like a pride issue too. Mm-hmm. Like thinking like your ways are so important. Right. right? And when you're. What you want isn't happening. Like you all of a sudden feel the justification to be angry about Mm. it. And that's why um, anger is an emotion that comes, especially when something bad is happening because we can get this attitude of like, how could this happen to me? Or why, Lord, would you allow this to happen? And the attitude of it is like that God shouldn't have done that or shouldn't have allowed it as if we know what's best. Um, and we have no idea what God's ultimate plan is with it and what he's using it for. And, you know, everyone's a prophet uh, in hindsight. No, yeah. one, no one can see it in the moment or, or see it coming, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it really is more of a reaction to not trusting the sovereign hand of God or God's goodness. Yeah. And all that. Yeah, maybe the last one would be, which we already touched on it but just like the lack of compassion or empathy for something like this mm-hmm. i heard it said in a book i read forget the the guy to quote but basically uh, we could hear about an atomic bomb that goes off in china and wipes out half the population and we'd all sit around we talk about it we'd be sad we'd well, mm-hmm. how could this happen this is crazy and then we'd go to sleep that night and sleep just fine mm-hmm. but if someone were to tell us Hey, tomorrow morning you're going to lose your pinky toe. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't sleep a wink, mm-hmm. right? Like knowing someone's going to cut sure. off your toe, and like part of that like speaks to the inability of right. us to really grasp the fullness mm-hmm. of. And I feel like that's what I struggle with. Is like, man, there's so much, yeah, like need right now. How do I know where right. I need to be? You know, how do I know how uh-huh. like to give back in you know the best way? Yeah. And I think everybody handles uh, hard things differently, and that's also okay. doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong. There should always be an empathy and a compassion because if we have the heart of God, we, you know, we should because when we understand everything comes from a place of the sin of suffering or, or someone's sin, like it should grieve us at some point, some level, and we should be able to empathize with it because we have our own sin that we struggle with. But at the same time, you know, some people uh, grieve through tears, and that helps them feel better. Like you did this morning. <laughs> Purged the tear ducts I was, a little waiting, bit. I was waiting for it. 
Uh, some people do it through through. Chad only cries when he's in front of a hundred people <laughs> or more. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna take this opportunity mm. to cry. I know. And you can tell you never cry because you don't know how to <laughs> how to handle it. The funniest thing is, like, I hate it more than anything else, and it's like it's uncontrollable. It just comes upon me. It's almost like the Lord's trying to teach me something from it because in my re- everyday life, I I rarely <laughs> ever even think emotionally like that. Yeah. Um. But what I was trying to say is, some people, you know, do it through, you know, laughter and jokes. You know, like learn, like making light of it, even though they feel it deeply. It's just the way that they conceptualize it. You know. Yeah. And um, that's my mo. Yeah, and. And that's okay. I mean, obviously, there's an appropriate time for that and not, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think some of it's just, we live, let's put it this way, we live in a sinful, fallen world. Crazy, egregious things happen constantly around us. And there's some part of it that's just a survival mechanism in our minds of like, mm-hmm. sin, and that should show the depravity of sin and our need for the gospel even more and a trust in the Lord. Because when you look at the world, Man, there's so much that's like inconceivable yeah. amount of evil. Like to wrap your head around. You can't even touch it. Yeah. I mean, just the research that I do in sex trafficking. I mean, you really dig into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you can't even wrap your mind around the evil behind yeah. it. That's just one of many things in our world that's like that. I think they say 800,000 children go missing every year. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's just like. I mean, if you if you really sat and allowed yourself to really dwell upon it, I mean, it would crush you. Yeah, you know, or like like you, your soldier. You know, you you never did like a combat. I don't think you know, um, but the idea of war, like I that, I can tell you about. Right, but I mean, the, what you train for, like you get very used to war. That shouldn't be something that anyone gets gets used to right <laughs> you know but it but it's a reality that we face mm-hmm. you know but to wrap our like you almost have to figure out a way to conceptualize it that you're comfortable with because if you really think about all aspects of it it would it would crush your spirit yeah right um and so i yeah, mean i think it's okay like in that to to deal with it the way you're dealing with it, mm-hmm. as long as you're not outside of scripture, we talk about anger, fear, depression. Right, right. You can't do those things; it's sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can deal with it, however you are, and then be open to needs, like be yeah. open to like step up to right. the plate when a need is presented. Right. And I think the number one thing that we can do when we face trials, since we see what James says in many other places. The first thing you should do is pray and ask God what he's what is he trying to show you? Mhm. Right? Like God help me see what it is that you're trying to produce in me. Like why? I don't I don't always understand why you're allowing this to happen, but I know it's for a purpose, so let it not be wasted. Yeah. You know, let me see. Let me grow, let me repent, let me be humbled. You know. Yeah. Uh and then how can I use this? How can I be an ambassador for the gospel because of it. How can I comfort others with the comfort I've been comforted with? Right. Right. Um, so I think for a lot of people and myself included, it'd be, it's just like, like this savior complex where mm-hmm. you think you're supposed to save all these people mm-hmm. or help all these people. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like, really, you need to slow down and realize, one, you can't. And two, there is, this world is broken. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's full of sin. And you're just going to have to sit in that. Mm-hmm. And people like myself don't want to sit in. We want to fix problems. And so we only want to look at the problems we can fix, mm-hmm. right? Because we can't handle the fact that there's all this brokenness right. around us. Yeah, I agree. Oh, good. Okay, well, hopefully this quick little episode was helpful. Yeah, hopefully everybody who's been impacted are safe. If you're part of the field church, you should be seeing a text come out today. Let us know if there's any way we can help. Yeah, we got a, a huge, we had a sign-up list for servants and for needs, and the list for servants were way, it was a, a way longer list than mm-hmm. the needs, so we want to start helping our community. Mm-hmm. So you guys reach out to us um, if you know of uh, community needs, and mm-hmm. we'd love to uh, step up and do what we can yeah. for that. Absolutely. I think Chad's about to go take a nap, so we need to sign <laughs> off this thing. <laughs> hey, it's been, been a long morning. I've been up early, and a couple sermons will take it out of you. Yeah, man. All right, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. All right. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.